Hello, this is Michael Berganzi, the director of Seminar, and today with me is Katerina Fury, the writer of Bed 667, which we're listening to right now. Um, spooky, huh? Yeah, really. Make fun of that works. There's nothing wrong with a little spookiness in life. Yep. So this your music is is from Amity um, and Flame. It's from Jimena.com. In the song right here is called Haiku. I have to say I like the music. All right, thank you. Um, is it that or it's between that or something I made myself there? But I like this this pick a little bit better. I think match music a little bit more. The scene, I should say. I think so. Being that I've actually heard both bands, it's scary, right? <laughs> I, I just, one band I felt that the music. It, it ties it in really well, so it just brings you right there into the story, which is very important. So, oh, definitely, yeah. I cut the music out right at the screen, Bet 67, over and over again, pretty much. You know, it's like a good point to end this music, yeah, so yeah. Well, that's something that I have to say is, is important in the story, and that's part of why I'm not a seminar director. I screw up the music. My brain is already melting. This is kind of hard to come by, I guess, but like once you find it, you find it pretty much. It's like, like, this is good, I'm keeping it, etc., etc. Well, and it does take practice. Oh, definitely, Seminar yeah. should give you a lot of, ah. Yep, because the sound effects are never the same. The actors are almost never the same either. That has to be a bit of a challenge. That's something I admit I was nervous about with this script. Is I, I made this really hard on Michael. I didn't give any genders in the scripts except for to a very few characters, so I left it up to him to guess. Well, M Marcus is the one who did the casting for it, I think, before he left it ever, so... Okay, then I made it hard for Marcus. I wasn't sure if you cast or he cast since this... Oh, no, he cast. He cast transition. Well, the casting, I think, is impeccable. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I know the Richard cast or whatever who plays Bet 667 wasn't actually in the original role, I don't think, but since someone else, like, backed down to somewhat, we got him, we, so lucky got him is the leader, I guess, so yeah. Really, it's like every single actor, I'll, I'll admit, I cheated, and I got a hold of the file early, so I got to listen to it already, and uh, it was like everybody was pulling what was in my head out of my head, and that is impressive. I am really honored to have this cast doing the first script I've ever written for an audio drama. Nice, yeah, my, my, my script is coming next to my authority, actually, so yeah. Well, the fun part is when people listen to this, they get to hear me in the very next or first play. I don't know which order they're going to actually be in, but I had a role in the other play on this episode of Seminar. Hmm, alright. It's, it's just one of those kinds of episodes, I guess. Indeed. I try to, I try my Bet 667, so sound kind of like crazy at moments, and then not crazy at some moments, whatever. Like, he'll sound like really like serious and everything like that. Then all of a sudden he'll just be like all like gloopy and stuff like that. Just kind of the, the bounce thing. I like the bounce like actually kind of pull there. Well, and I thought that it gives a good rhythm the way that the actors did that because it does remind you that the goal here with the story, and this is based on factual events and real people, is that you always feel insane when you're in a mental hospital, whether or not you actually need to be there, and if it's a good kind or the bad kind, there is no way to feel sane. Because the moment you feel sane, or like you belong there, you know you're gone. Yeah. And the actors, that's part of what really got me when I was listening to this, and listening again, is just the power of the acting. 
Side. Yep, indeed. Top of beans and Kriante. Oh, oh man, that. <laughs> yeah, well, they'll yeah, keep that in there. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, really. Like this is so great in there. I don't care. I don't care. Just going in there, it's like perfect line right there. Forget it. Well, and, and wow, you know, if anybody ever does a Silence of the Lambs thing, we have our actor. Yep. <laughs> that was Indeed. great. Yeah, really. Well, and, and that's the other thing about this is the actors being able to find the humor. This is something I admit, this was the most terrifying thing to write because it is so personal. So to have the back there and everybody just getting it is... That just shows me how awesome it is to get to work with pendants. See, I'm getting spoiled now. <laughs> yep. I know the feeling. Somebody, yes, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think everybody who writes or even acts knows that there is something personal about it. Even though we go through an editing process with pendant, there's not even as much editing as novel. Yeah, I can see that. They could. When it comes to writing novels, you're writing for an audience. With Pendant, especially with Seminar, you can just write anything, and that makes it even more personal. Oh, definitely, yeah. That Ben, one, ben 1088, or Ben 1088, I always say it or whatever, is played by Bernadette Gross, who is the editor of Seminar, and among other things, I guess, too, yeah. Among other things. I'm not crazy. Well, see, I didn't know that, you know, Bed 1088 oh, was being played by the editor. That's how I say it in my head. I'm not good with the thousands, I so I just break it up. Yeah. I remember why I wound up here. But, uh, well, yes. And, and I admit fully, I have been hospitalized for being autistic, which, of course, as an adult looking back since I was a kid, I was much younger than the characters. It was, it was a struggle because, of course, everybody was telling me the way my brain worked was wrong. And I did meet people... Like, like I, I, I consider, of course, I mean, my body the, the young woman character, she's very innocent. Yep. And she doesn't quite understand the consequences. And, you know, you meet everybody like that. It's sort of like running into the entirety of the world in a very small segment of space. And again, the actors are pulling this off so well. I also like the clay sound effects. They're nice and squishy sounding. Yep. I can feel nature. I can feel the sun. I can feel the, the, water. the music in between music when the music when bed bed six seven and ten and eight were talking or whatever was by um a thousand shades of cold, which is a local band from where I was born. And the song was called um Sweet in November uh Sweet in November, the acoustic version. That's what they say. Now that's a bit ironic because yeah. what's not in the script is this is set in November in my head. <laughs> and we're in November now, yeah. Hmm, I am beginning to think that you and the actors are just fine readers or this is just really a really good dream. Good being about the acting, yes. I'm not really awake, I think it's to be true. Yeah. I started putting it together ever. You don't know him. In maybe late October, maybe early early October, early October, somewhere around there. So, yeah. That would be a good one for in October. So you've got that mood right there to you. Yep. Music fits, so I use it. Well, that's, again, perfect. Yep. But he would be tasting the clay by saying it or something. And see, there it is again, more of the actors just getting it just... Wanting to be a boy, that the shift of moods, I don't know how to phrase this other than the words 
when they say them have more texture than I intended and more emphasis in areas I hadn't thought of. So in some ways, they've made this better. It's like doing the color work on a comic book. The color just brings out all of those things the artist might not have even expected. So oh, I definitely. You mean to tell me that that I'm crazier than you for wanting to die? Is it funny? I, 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 I don't think so, Ben. Yeah. Well, and a lot of this... In the media, there's been a lot of discussion, at least the media that I tend to read. I don't do mainstream news because it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But there have been a lot of kids in even just special education dying oh, wow. from this sort of treatment. Well, and you should be, but you're not. And that's why I got really mad. So I sat down and I had to write something. And I thought it was going to be a blog post. Well, no, it's not a blog post at all. All right. Cool. <laughs> Everyone, and the thing is that when you do hear about these things in the mainstream media where these kids are getting tortured at school or put in isolation like at the beginning, they, uh, they make it sound like this is an isolated incident. And that's oh, not yeah. true. Oh, I totally agree with you, yeah. Well, things like that aren't. No, they never are. I have yet to find anything that's horrifying that's an isolated incident. Yep. The one I think of anyway. Sorry, I'm clicky today. <laughs> Any loud pops, uh, I promise, are not painful. Two pops. This great line right here. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the actors made the lines great, honestly. Yeah, like Creature Cast, like, give, give like about, a, two, about two minutes of like babbling, pretty much of like insults, like oh my god, this is gold. I, I just made like four seconds of it or whatever. So yeah. <laughs> Well, like two minutes you know how like, I have to say, this almost makes me question the actor's sanity because they're pulling off the crazy <laughs> way too well. Yeah, really. It's a compliment with acting, so it works. You're going to cheat. Yes. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of cheese. You know, it's all Gouda, right? Yep. Indeed. Now I'm getting the chills again. Ah. <laughs> yep. Trent think you did the voice of Nurse Ratchet, was it? Or who, who's, who's, the, who's the female? I wrote it as Ratchet. Oh, I'm tempted to look this up on the casting now. I'm cheating. Yeah, I, there's like two female roles. There's like, oh, I know this. There's two female roles. There's Mary Durning and Nurse Ratchet. All right, that got enough. Yes. All right, try to think more. I think about it for a second. Like, wait a minute. Who's, which female's role is who? Finally, I thought this one would never pass out. Well, they and both we, yeah. good job, especially because this became a male-dominated piece in a way. But again, yeah. I left everything as ambiguous as I could about gender because this can make it where anybody can have the role, except mm, for the yep. cut cases where you don't expect women to act this way, but they do when nobody's looking. Yeah. This is now we have meeting. We need first time. Bed one eight nine, who's played by H. Heath Lyons. Yes. I didn't even put together that this was H. Heath Lyons at first when I was first hearing. I had to go back over the cast list again. Hello. And it's just so different from the other roles that I've heard him in. I am again impressed. Well, again, no, with the whole cast. I, I think I got not just lucky, but by working with the talented people, but. I wouldn't want this in any other format now because nobody could do as good a job as this cast did. Oh, definitely, yeah. 
Yeah, on it, mine's is like it's like one of my, my favorite people in pennant at acting wise that ever. Because he's he's appearing in thirty eight, two roles in thirty eight, and two roles I think one or two roles in thirty nine as well. So <laughs> it's all over the place in seminar nowadays. That's not a bad thing. Exactly. What impresses yeah. me is how tired he manages to sound while still sounding strong. Oh yeah, yeah. Nope. This is it. This is purgatory. They call it the isolation room or hall, depending on who. Well, and then the interaction here with these two is again. No visitors, and if they catch us talking, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, it's very emotional. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> yep. They, they carry the emotions really well. I, I don't think anybody, even if they've been in the literal position or not, could listen to this and not feel a little bit at least unnerved. Especially if you listen to the commentary now, know it really does happen all the time. Oh yeah. Just woke up. But the vulnerability, I've just been trying to figure out the word that would fit for every actor in this script. I'll be back with you. Except for, of course, a couple, but I, I I would say the people in power aren't supposed to sound vulnerable, but the characters, the main characters. I'm just so astounded because, of course, vulnerability is something that is very hard to act out. Whether or not you are capable of that range of emotion without struggle or anything, and it just comes through in just the perfect measures. I, I'm not easily impressed either. I am one of. I used to be a movie critic, and I'm the movie critic who doesn't like anything, and that carries over into what I like for everything else. I am almost impossible to please. They just don't oh, wow. Well, I hate admitting that because it sounds horrible, but at the same time, the standards I have... I, I actually was fretting over the commentary and listening to this, but that's why I cheated, you see. I had nothing to worry about. <laughs> Although my poor cat keeps hiding in the other room from the voices coming out of the computer, I think we can live with that. I've lost half the life they were wasting. If I am going to hell, I'll just rush Well, that we cannot see. <laughs> For a good reason, I should have <laughs> Oh, yes. So that's about the fact we had to start over because one of my cats kept on plugging things from my computer. Just like the bell. Yes. Are you okay? I'm sorry. I didn't And that echo is. Don't leave me here. It's all right. No, the echo, yeah. Yeah, well, it just the ineffectualness of his cries for help show right there. Yeah, I, I had to go in. I had to go in another audio editing program to do that thing. To, to do that thing or whatever. Because the program I used originally or whatever, they normally it doesn't have the feature in there at all. So like this is. Oh wow. Kind of. Yeah. It's it, 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 it behind the door effect. Same thing behind the door effect is working right now. Yeah, the same thing pretty much. I exported and imported another program and exported it back and imported it again. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a pretty tedious process, but eventually got it done. So. Well, and of course, here's the part that always makes me a little bit sadder than the rest. Yeah. It's a good thing yeah. you have tissues right here. This should come with a tissue warning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It did when I was writing it. I don't. I don't use a lot of tissues unless apparently I'm writing and uh, or making commentaries. Shut yeah. <laughs> And this is the same song as Binning, but in a different portion of the song. Haiku by Amidian Flame. If you can I was going to say, but, but I like it because, of course, it fits that. I don't know how to phrase this other than the very coldness of our orderlies here. Yep. 
They did that again way too well. Yeah, really. It's like, it's like they're actually in like in real life, or whatever. <laughs> yes, but that's another thing. You know, that's what actors yeah. are supposed to do, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. When it's this personal I mean, again, it's one of those really way too well. <laughs> yep. You're like, oh, what happened here? <laughs> well, and then it's just the fact that. They've dehumanized. Yeah, they dehumanized everybody who's the patient so far that they don't think about the fact that these are people. So it's just like, oh great, another mess. Yeah, Oh, it's Margaret. I need you down in isolation. We just got a bit of a mess on our hands, and you'll need certified death. Oh, one eighty nine finally died. And oh, my here for some reason. And she's here. This is kind of like when this kind of works. She's like here, and then she's there. What the fuck? What the heck? We're just both frozen. Well, her office isn't far from that area. The, oh, that's what I figured. I'm yeah. like, this kind of... Alright. Well, in the scripting, she even gives the time limit, and then she's just, boom, there. Part of that's to make her sort of omnipresent, so that you never feel like you can escape the cold-hearted therapist. Yep. Because Looks you never like know when she's going to pop out of the wall. Indeed. Looks like we're... Ending in the I in I in my version and version I in. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and didn't run out of tissues. From the emotion of loss of self to that of loss of someone you love, we ask what defines both these stories. The answer might lay in memories in the dark. Hello, this is Michael Berganti with the part two of the seminar thirty-seven commentary. And with me, I have with me we have Anna Rodriguez, writer of the story. Hello, everyone. So first we have the introduction scene where we introduce James, I guess. Or what's his name again? I forgot. Sorry. Uh, Jake. <laughs> yeah, oh, it is James. All right. Damn. Yeah. I was thinking Jamie or whatever. I know, I know. No, Jamie's his sister. This is Jake. Yeah, there's a lot of Jamie's, a lot of Jamie's in this in this story. I'm just like, what, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. You're <laughs> <laughs> confusing. There's... So uh, I guess I should talk about how this story came to be. Um, it's based off of a Harry Potter fan fiction I actually wrote about seven years ago. Uh, it was before the seventh, uh, the sixth book came out, Half Blood Prince, and at that time there was a lot of fan fiction going around uh, of people speculating how the series would end, and people were, you know, there's a war, the Wizard of War was coming, and so people knew that there would be casualties. So I wanted to write something along those lines. Uh, so I, what I did was I killed off my favorite character. So essentially, Amy is Hermione, and Jake is Ron. So this is kind of their story. And when I knew I wanted to write something pretended, I just took, this was my favorite story I wrote years ago. So I just kind of converted it into audio, changed the names about, and um, now it's Memories in the Dark. Uh, the original story was also named Memories in the Dark, so that's how this whole story came to be. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Harry um, Potter fan fiction in early drama form is interesting, if you ask me, yeah. Yeah, the original story, which I uh, I still have the link, it's online if anybody wants to 
see the original, they can just mail me on list or off list. But uh, the, the original is extremely visual, so I have to really tweak a lot of things to make it available for audio. Um, and pretty much the whole premise of this story is, you know, Jake slash Ron, as he's pretty much traveling from his bedroom all the way down to the kitchen, each part of the house is triggering a different memory he has of Amy slash Hermione. Uh, yeah. Kind of interesting how like most people say the sixth book is all about like um mm-hmm. like all like their moments and Harry Potter series whatever like the most like kind of like the most um Amy. I can't think of the word is now but it's like Sorry, probably the most like just... uh like romantic I guess you call it like kind of like more like mush kind of stuff I guess. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's came before the sixth book ever came out. I was trying to turn out that that kind of foreshadow that in in, in, in in another way I guess. Yeah, uh, from early on in the books, I was always a big Ron and Hermione shipper, so I kind of, I know, I've always liked them as a couple, and the sixth book is really when they start coming out as a couple, but not really. And everyone else does, too. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly, the sixth book is the big romance book, but uh, yeah, and uh, like I said, back then, a lot of fan fiction, and people were like, oh, they all live happily after, and I wanted something a bit darker. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And really, the one. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm saying, I think one of the books that you got, her, like the books that James gives his girlfriend or whatever, didn't they pick up on the books you want to mention at all? Or? Uh, you know, I to this day, I knew I was, I figured I was going to come up with something, but I still, they're just books. I don't know what books all they right. are, but for, I don't know, let's just say they're the Harry Potter books. Oh, yeah. Collector's <laughs> edition. <laughs> um,. I just want to say earlier on, the one reference to Potter is that when Jamie, Jake's sister, is doing her uh, Amy's makeup, they say that they're going to have dinner on a diner in private, private drive. That's the one Potter reference that I was able to work in. Oh, I must have missed that part. <laughs> I yeah. must have missed that one. Wow. <laughs> but it makes sense. Yeah, I'm like, wait, private drive. Oh, right, right. And I tried to work one or, one or two other references, but then it would have been painfully obvious, so that's the only yeah. one that made it in. Alright. Yeah, I missed it completely. I read your part a lot, so... <laughs> you got me. Yep. Really like the uh, actors' performances in this, Tanya and George. I mean, all the, oh, yeah. the other actors, too. Bernadette, Cat, and it was, I think, Richard Castro who played the dad? Yeah, Richard Castro, yep. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, well, George is actually a friend of mine, and he recorded his lines here at my house. I actually was able to hear his part of the lines early on. Yeah. And and then Tanya as Amy, this is exactly how I imagined her. So I was really, really happy with that casting. Nice. So um, as far as directing, was there any particular scene you liked or... Um, any challenges you came across? What's up, Dad? Challenges or my favorite scene would have to be um, the running the kitchen scene. I guess it was kind of fun, but kind of kind of challenged at the same time. I guess this is the fun part, kind of like all over the place. I guess. Mhm. Yeah, so it's fun scene to work on, but it's kind of difficult. But it's kind of difficult. I guess at least at least it over. So yeah. Good. Cool. Yep. 
Yeah, this doesn't have a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> Very depressing. Oh, yeah. During the next session. Until that time, this class is dismissed. Alright. And next was this commentary. Um, the voice talents of Kristen Bays. Yeah. I right, thank you, Miss Anna Rodriguez, for being joining me today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and thank you yep. and for listening. <laughs> yep, and we'll see you next February, I think it is. Next seminar is I believe it's February, I think. Or not February, March. It's like, yeah, March. Yeah, oh, yeah, March. that's my schedule and everything. So, um, yeah, we'll see you then. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. Bye. In Memories in the Dark, Tanya Milievich as Amy. Bernadette M. Groves as Jamie, Jorge Oriana as Jake, Katerina Fury as Mary, and Richard Casto as Robert. Written by Anna Rodriguez. Seminar written by Marcus Beattie, directed by Michael Bergunzi, edited by Bernadette M. Groves. Seminar theme by David Alexander McDonald. Additional music by Amity and Fame and A Thousand Shades of Cold. Produced by Pendant Productions. Seminar co-created by Catherine Pride and Jeffrey Bridges. Copyright 2010, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.